visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan, highlights, and in the spotlight. But as always, we start off today's program with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us now on our Facebook live stream, today is Wednesday, February 17th. And uh, otherwise, if you're joining us via the airwaves, it's Thursday, February 18th. Either way, welcome. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me in the studio today, we've got Stash Butler. Hello. Up next, uh, we'll be telling you why, if Taiwan had a national talent contest, why our legislators would stand a good chance of winning first prize. <laughs> we have very many talented people. <laughs> then, Taiwan is well known for its tea, but its coffee and its cocoa are starting to make some waves. And we've just come out of a five or was it six day holiday now? Yeah, I think six. It feels six. like you we've know, lost total we've track lost of time. Track. What day of the week is it? I don't even know. No. Well, I just said it too. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be telling you some ways that a psychiatrist suggests with dealing with post holiday blues. All that coming up next. Please stick around. If before I'd read this article you'd ask me what special secret talents our lawmakers had, my guess would be brawling because they tend to do a lot of that's true fisticuffs, yeah, and maybe like kind of arts and crafts, you know, because that with the whole kind of um, the pig kind of protests they had, oh, there was yeah. a lot of kind of pig creative, imagery, pig imagery, yeah, to protest the importation of U.S. pork, yes, um, which was a, a big story yeah, in Taiwan. They threw pig guts too, so there's a, there's that as well. Yes, um, so uh, butchering, butchering. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, though, it turns out that that's just um, the surface. We're just scratching the surface here. This is, I'm not sure why someone decided to do this, but we've got a feature story here about three lawmakers uh, who are currently sitting in our legislature, and they have secret special talents that Ooh. most people, even their constituents, don't know about. Wow. Um, so I think the first one is sort of uh, towards what we were just talking about in the mm. brawling category, but it is <laughs> it is surprising. It's not from the sort of person you would expect to be good at this just by looking at them. We're mm. talking about a champion arm wrestler. Wow. Um, he is uh, this is this is KMT lawmaker uh, Lin Wei Zhou, who this I don't know what he looks like. There's no picture attached, but this article describes him as wiry. Wiry. So not the sort of built person yeah. who you would expect to be a national arm wrestling champion. Does he have, does he, you know, is he asymmetrical? Is one arm much, much larger than the other one? Because maybe that could yeah. be a giveaway, couldn't a, it? A picture would be helpful here, but I think even if that's the case, it can't be that big because yeah. it says yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but people seem to have misunder, um, they seem to have sort of uh, underestimated him. Mm. And uh, uh, they said that years ago, he was an arm wrestling champion winning fourth place in a national competition during university. Wow. Um, and and he could beat opponents, including, uh, it says, bodybuilders here. Oh, my God. And he said he has no special training, and he's neither particularly tall nor particularly brawny. Interesting. So, um, it's kind of a, is it kind of one of those things where it's, you know, size doesn't matter so much? I don't know. Of... But he found he had extraordinary strength at an early age. I think his arm wrestling days may be behind him. He is now 59, which I think is past right. retirement. Well, but, if he's not university, then that's, that's quite a long time ago. Right. But he was also the top competitor, it says, eventually. Uh, uh, he he won 
everyone, all comers through grade school, and uh, eventually he became the top competitor in Shinju County. Wow. Um, I didn't know there was like a league that kept no. track of this. I mean, there's always these kind of surprising competitions. It's I don't like, know. I didn't know that existed. There's an interesting story about this, uh, his university days, right. his, his glory His glory, his, yeah, his gold. I bet he's got a um, trophy cabinet. Back home. then, there was a beer importer who organized an arm wrestling competition to promote its entrance into the Taiwanese market. He had no particular training or uh, pre- preparation, but uh, he won against a hundred other competitors winning personal against personal gym trainers and like i said bodybuilders and uh again fourth place which was enough to get him a crate of beer and a few thousand new taiwan dollars so they were pretty generous oh he God. only got fourth place but still yeah that's, um, that's great for them there's another one here also in the kmt uh Ui Ding, who likes to spend her time in the kitchen she is a graduate of le cordon bleu in london mm. um and she started in university while she was in Canada, uh, learning from the spouses of doctoral candidates who lived in the same dorm. Wow. But eventually, uh, she went into the finance world, and then the 2008 crash happened. And so she decided that uh, to apply, I guess, with the, with the economy being bad, uh, cooking is always a useful skill to have. Yeah, definitely. After just three months, she passed the basic certifi- cuisine certification exam. It was almost a perfect score, but she lost points for forgetting to remove the toothpicks from her fish roll. I I don't think of Le Cordon Bleu as the sort of place that serves fish rolls. Yeah, I mean, toothpicks, that sounds like quite a big mistake as well. (laughs) I I mean, actually, I had a friend complaining recently, it was sort of, yeah, that they actually once found an entire plastic straw in their fish at a very fancy restaurant. Oh, that's... Well, at least you know it came from the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Although the way they described it is almost that the fish had been pierced by the straw. So then I was like, is that... that, Can a a straw actually do that to a fish in the ocean? My my dad once bit into a toothpick. It was not very pleasant. It was inside a pizza. Inside a pizza? It was inside Oh, no. Um, So definitely a serious mistake. Uh, But anyway, she went to... Back into finance as she eventually ending up in shanghai she wanted to open a restaurant but then uh there was a lot of uh she was even going to maybe like open a storefront mm. which she was in planning but then she had difficulties getting a license also she was she found she was pregnant right she returned to taiwan and has ended up in politics so quite a varied career she still hasn't given up on her dream of opening a restaurant and maybe one day she says she will after her retirement finally uh, it's not just the KMT that's filled with talented people. Uh, there is a balance of talents on both sides of the <laughs> political aisle here. We go over to the rival DPP now, uh, the Democratic Progressive Party. Their lawmaker, Huang Guoshu, is a very talented calligrapher. Wow, calligraphy. Yes, and uh, not, not just talented. He's actually going to stage a solo exhibition. Uh, it says, it looks like next month. It, um, it, okay, wow, yeah. I mean, calligraphy is quite an art. I mean, you really, it's... It takes a long... I mean, a lot of the time I can, I can look at it, you know, it's one of those things sometimes with particular styles. It's particularly, there's a kind of, quite a kind of crude, like a kind of basic style. Right. And, uh, and I, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, lots of kind of modern art, you're like, oh, I could do that. Right. But then actually... <laughs> my it, kid could do yeah, that. <laughs> my kid could do that. But like, it, it takes a lot of training. Right. And there's so much to learn. I mean, this is a, you were talking about an art that's like kind of thousands of years old, right, pretty much. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, they, the, law, the legislature has an art gallery, which I didn't know, and that's where the exhibition will be held. Oh, wow. Um, also is, is, it, is it just for, for legislators' art? Or I don't know, but he got, a, he got himself, an, I'm sure he's one of the few that got a, an exhibition there. Uh, in October, meanwhile, the National Sun Yat-sen Memorial Hall here in Taipei is going to display a hundred of his works as well. Wow. A um, hundred? A hundred of them. He's so prolific. He is. Among the pieces, and this is a, 
uh, crucial for a party that's called the Democratic Progressive Party are the lyrics to a song that he's written out by one of Taiwan's democracy pioneers. Oh. So, um, yeah, some talented people. I think, I think we should have a legislative, like, reality TV yeah. style Re- talent show. Legislators got talent. Yeah, I've watched that. Let's do it. Got a whole range of gifts here. All right, on to coffee, which I could use a bit of right now. Fortunately, we've got plenty in Taiwan and have done for well over a century. Uh, do you know when the first coffee was brought to Taiwan? A little uh, pop quiz for you there, Stash. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, 1884. 1884. Uh, British merchants brought coffee plants to Taiwan, and they first cultivated it just outside of Taipei in Sanxia. Uh, but now the South has taken over growing it, and they're doing so uh, on quite a large scale. Oh my uh, God. Because uh, later on, during the Japanese colonial era. In 1941, Taiwan hit peak coffee production after the Japanese introduced Arabica. And I think that's mostly what right. we're growing these days. Right. Um, for a while after World War II and then the deteriorating economy, uh, the post-war era saw coffee slump. I mean, we really are a tea-drinking nation traditionally as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how fond people were of I it. I think coffee is growing in popularity. It is. Though, yeah. But it was always a sort of, in those er- days, a newfangled sort of a thing. But in the last few decades, you're right, uh, popularity has picked up. Yeah. And uh, I mean, everyone that I know drinks at least one cup a day, mm. pretty much. Um, and Tainan in the south has become the leading producer in Taiwan, which I didn't know. I know we had coffee, but I always thought of Yunlin as the coffee. Yeah, capital, yeah. That's further to the north. That's interesting. I mean, Tainan is, is taking a lot of the weight of sort of the agricultural production, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have most of their plants growing in what's called the global coffee belt, which by which they just mean mountains that are between 500 and 800 meters above sea level. Mm. Um, That's quite a specific range, yes. actually. Um, but they've got the right temperature, humidity, soil quality, also a- adequate water supplies. There's three nearby reservoirs. So um, they're trying to boost the visibility of their coffee, uh, mm. specifically coffee from the Dongshan district, which p- produces the bulk of it. Uh, of the fi- city's 57 hectares of coffee farms, more than almost 54 hectares are in the district. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they have an annual harvest of 730,000 tons, which is a lot more coffee than I thought we produced. That's a lot of coffee, yeah. Um, more than I could finish. I mean, you, you can, yeah, you can get a lot of different kinds of coffee here. I, I feel like you get a lot imported. I don't know. I just generally feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just because I like coffee, but I see a, a lot of people like, there's lots of kind of people who know a lot about coffee in right. Taiwan. Um, it's interesting because a lot of these farms happen to be along a local county highway and so they've called it coffee road they have about a hundred coffee farmers working there with more than 30 (laughs) coffee shops on either side of it wow so it's just a row of uh the distinct the area is known for having a fruity aroma in its coffee and uh they're hoping to get the word out uh they've been sending them for a few years now eight years it says here in fact to the u.s-based coffee quality institute for certification and they want people to know about this because I don't, I hadn't heard of it until today. Mm, and mm, that's mm. like 730,000 tons. It's that's nothing a to lot, yeah. At. So they're going to open a leisure park to promote the coffee. I mean, they already have a little basic museum, right. an old building where you can see how it's grown. What does that mean? You know, is it going to have like little kind of coffee figurines, sort of coffee, coffee slides? Unfortunately, I envision a bit of a tourist trap. I've right. been to some 
that were uh, similar right. facilities that right, right, really right. didn't do the job they were supposed to, I right. don't feel like. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, at least there'll be a place where you can get, I, I, I assume there's going to be coffee. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm sure it, there'll be a lot it, of it. If there's coffee, it's not a never disappointment. I had a friend actually go uh, recently uh, over the, the, the New Year holiday, go and visit a small coffee farm just south of Taidong, uh, Taidong City. And apparently okay. it was a really you know, great experience. And they let you visit for free and look around. I mean, with the expectation that you'll obviously then <laughs> right. buy some coffee. But no like, such thing as a free lunch. But, you know, you can do coffee tasting. You know, say goodbye to wine tasting. Hello, hello, coffee tasting. I would have to do them both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't give up wine tasting. Yeah, it's but... true. You also might kind of end up, I imagine, you know, it doesn't take a lot of coffee to make me kind of wired. Right. So I think if, if I'm doing a coffee tasting, I'd have to kind of pace myself. Right. Or take the wine afterwards. To sort yeah, of exactly. Down. Yeah, right. kind of ups and downs kind of thing. <laughs> Balance out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you've got a story about coffee. It's not just coffee that we're producing. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, you know, we're making all sorts of kind of uh, these, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, cocoa is from the kind of the, the, the American subcontinent, right? I guess. Or, I think you know, so. Yeah. So uh, we're bringing lots of, yeah, yeah, that kind of area. So we have here a deserted pig farm in the southern county of Unlin. Unlin has been converted into a state of the art cocoa farm by a resident there. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, kind of making chocolate as well. I'm not sure I've had Taiwanese, like specifically Taiwanese chocolate before. I've had Vietnamese chocolate. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I can't tell the difference. I yeah. just like it. Again, it's, I'm not really a connoisseur. It's like 75% and it's from such and such a province. Yeah. And it's like, I, it tastes like what I get at the store. For me, it's made, kind of the things but... normally that you add, like, you know, it's the things that you get with the chocolate as well. Oh, like, you mean like the sort of chili pepper chocolate? Yeah, or, or, like, or like, I think like sea salt is a really nice oh, one. Orange peel. Orange peel. Yeah, like... Like, often that seems to make it for me. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't claim to be a connoisseur in these no. things. But anyway, Daniel Chen uh, was working in China. He was running a precision technology plant in China when he learned that his father back home had been diagnosed with cancer and dementia. So he returned in 2016 uh, because doctors basically advised him that uh, gardening and, you know, being outdoors might slow the, the progress of his father's disease. Right. So he decided to be kind of closer to home. Um, and obviously being... a clearly a sort of entrepreneurial kind of guy, uh, he decided to set up a kind of a farm. And this, in this case, it was a, a cocoa production farm. Why cocoa? That's not something you hear about in Taiwan very much. Yeah, I'm not sure. He doesn't kind of really go into exactly why he went for that one. And it uh, sounds as though it would take a good bit of expertise to make that work. Yeah, so he, I mean, he went into it saying that he had absolutely no farming experience, um, but enrolled in the farming uh, farmer training school in Indian, uh, which is very conveniently named and sounds like it does its job because mm. he learned that uh, cocoa fields require a tenth of the water needed to grow rice. Oh. So it's a, yeah. Water. I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, you look at rice fields and you're like, well, that probably They're does flooded. use, yeah. I mean, you can imagine it's probably not hard to use a lot less water than <laughs> rice. Um, but it made it the crop, the ideal crop for his hometown, which uh, is suffering severe land subsidence, uh, which mm. is due to kind of groundwater being kind of leached, apparently. And you mean, I, I think I've heard something about there being, I don't know if it's recently, but in the past year, in sort of the southern central area, there have been talk, talk of droughts and yeah. little rainfall. Yeah, so. I think, I mean, yeah, especially now this year, Taiwan hasn't had any uh, uh, large kind of typhoons no. striking, no. The, the, which, which normally kind of helps to kind of replenish all the, the river supplies and so on. Um, so he bought this abandoned pig farm, which had also been used as a waste disposal site. So it sounds like it was in Ooh. quite a state of disrepair. <laughs> that sounds hazardous. Yeah. <laughs> like what kind of waste? Like just I, garbage? Nuclear. Or? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely nuclear. No, um, and uh, he spent 10 million US dollars. I mean, this is a man with serious capital. 
Wow. Yeah. He's, he's loaded. He's loaded. <laughs> Turning this into a farm for growing cocoa. And it took a year and a half just to get it in the state that he could plant cocoa in if it. If you have $10 million, you can do anything. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he can wait. I mean, yeah, if he could give up his business. I imagine if he was, if he was running it, then it could kind of run itself. He's probably him. got some hedge funds or something. Yeah. All this. I want to see this. I want to see this cocoa. <laughs> portfolio. Anyway. Yeah. So, and, it, and he it, it caught media attention when he started offering internships for local students. Um and he's now making uh, about uh, well five hundred thousand NT to six hundred thousand NT a month uh, selling this chocolate. So what is that in in USD? Six hundred thousand. A lot. Uh, what is that? It's probably like twenty twenty thousand US or something, something like, that? like that. Yeah, something in that in that in order that. of magnitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So multiply by you know by by twelve, uh, dear listeners, because we're not going to do the math. I'm, maths I'm for terrible you. at it. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's trying to make an even more efficient chocolate building plant. Um, so it's all kind of sustainable and stuff, and he's employing 22 people. But do they have a leisure farm? That's the next step, I imagine, in the, the expansion of this empire. I mean, a leisure center. <laughs> yeah. And we've got also uh, some comments from, okay. our, from our listeners. So Radhakrishna Pillai N says, hello. Uh, and Dimash Henry Kudaibergen says, buenas noches. Queridos amigos, me alegra mucho la uh, programación. Uh, programación. Programación. Sorry, my Spanish uh, is not good. And... Uh, uh, Setio Budiano says hello. Jen Delari has joined us. Uh, I think we've probably caught her somewhat unawares by um, doing this show we're a bit early earlier. Today. Yeah, we're a bit early. We're speeding ahead. Yes. Uh, and Martina Reyes says uh, hello. Good afternoon. We're not sure where she's from. Uh, Butuan City. I don't know where that is. Um, but write us in again, uh, Martena, and tell us where you are. And Jen Delaris says, Speaking of cocoa, being Hispanic, I love Mexican hot chocolate, which adds cinnamon and a touch of chili. Cinnamon and chocolate are a great combination. Yeah, yeah. That's always a good thing. And I think I like the chili. Chili chocolate is actually quite a good... I wasn't expecting to like it, but I did. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That bit of spice. It doesn't seem like it should go together, but no. it, it's okay. No, it works. It's kind of like dark... Yeah, I don't know. It's just like a nice edge. <laughs> and then we have uh, Depatches Kopi also saying, beautiful presentation. So he likes our camera angle. Thank, <laughs> thank you for that. We spent a long time trying <laughs> yeah, to figure it out. We were today. deliberating, yeah. <laughs> As we said at the top of the program, we've just come back. This is our first day back, actually, since our long vacation. Most yeah. of what you heard, if you were tuning in over the past few days, was pre-recorded a long time ago. Yeah. So we're kind of a bit, not rusty, we're but rusty, getting, yeah. we forgot what day it was, Yeah, we did, yeah. We were um, like, what, what's happening? Today? But you went on in a bit of an adventure, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I went on a, a long adventure down Taiwan's east coast and then back up again. I... Uh, I went and stayed with friends. Uh, I, I got up early on, about 5 a.m. on the Thursday, New Year's Eve, um, and uh, went to Elan and then spent the whole afternoon well, and, and into the night going around uh, meeting different relatives of my Taiwanese wow. friend. Um, and it was, it was great. Um, they remembered me um, as the English guy uh, who, who drinks. Uh, <laughs> I have similar... I give a similar impression. Really? So, yeah, yeah, they were like, oh... You know, like his, his, yeah. his he's a, he, he can drink. There's always a man. beer right waiting for me. When yeah. I Let's put it that way. Well, the, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I kind of sat down at the table and I was handed a glass of whiskey and then my, my friends were all handed sort of grape juice. <laughs> uh, so that obviously uh, I was put in a different category, but it was very lovely. Um, and it was great meeting the whole family, kind of getting to know. This is my first kind of proper, proper Lunar New Year, right. I guess, because uh, last year I was sort of poking around in Taipei, not doing very much. Right. And then from there, I traveled down to uh, to Taidong County, 
um beautiful place yeah and hung out on the beaches there there's a big sort of surfing community down um on that coast very very chill yeah very very laid back kind Mm. of thing and whereas john what did you what did you get up to i accidentally dropped a hair dryer in a toilet oh so that was the highlight of my we've gone through it there don't worry (laughs) listeners uh john was not put at any immediate risk of electrocution it it wasn't plugged in i went to put in an extension cord on the a plug above it yeah. and accidentally knocked it off its hook and oh, I went no. oh and it was oh. so that was the most drama that I had so did you you didn't like it you know I mean I guess with that kind of thing you probably just want to get rid of it I just threw it out yeah. I'm not even going to let it not even going to risk I mean just I don't toilet, know what I don't want no toilet water in my hair that's no. true that is there, apart from the risk of electrocution just, explosion it just wasn't whatever, so fire. no I hung out I'd have to I have a pet at home so I have to take care of them and can, can you take the, the pet away he doesn't like it it doesn't like very traveling. traumatic like, right yeah so I mean I have cats uh, back in the UK that we occasionally take to the countryside but I don't know if it's worth it because they they hate the journey so I mean they they like the destination but they hate the journey yeah no like yeah um it would concern me yeah Uh, so anyway I just stayed home and dropped things in toilets by accident how was it being in Taipei was it very empty did it feel empty someone was shooting off fireworks at four in the morning which I did not appreciate I mean I was in when we were in Taidong it was like fireworks just all the time you know even in the daytime I'm like what why are you fire you can't see them really there was a lot of firecrackers too and yeah. I don't really mind that but at four in the morning it's like come that's, on let's give it a rest that's a now. lot yeah I mean <laughs> let's give that a rest we had quite a loud birthday party going on Ooh. next to us at one time and I was I was yeah it was it was getting to the point I've never made a noise complaint in Taiwan but it was making it was getting mm. to that that point there well a lot of people uh, according to psychiatrist Zhang Junhong of Tainan Municipal Annan Hospital uh, a lot of his patients are feeling really bad already, even though we've just come back. God. And uh, they say that, uh, you know, they spent the whole vacation relaxing. Why do they feel worse when they come back? Yeah. Like, more tired. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people find, uh, from what I hear, find the kind of the, the Lunar New Year holiday often it's quite exhausting. tiring. Yeah, because well, there's a lot of meeting family. There's a lot of travel. Yeah, a lot of travel. Um, and But the real thing is people eat and drink a lot more than usual. They stay up late, so they're playing games or watching TV or setting off fireworks. So mm. their circadian rhythm or their sleep cycle is off. Their blood Blood sugar can be going wild, and that can induce anxiety or irritability. And people, this is very serious for post-holiday blues. People can get, well, body aches, a rapid heartbeat, tightness in the chest, which is concerning. Yeah, definitely. Headaches, anxiety, inattention, irritability, and minor depression. Do you have any of those? Symptoms? I'm okay. I'm all right. I've had a nice time. I mean, I had. I think it, it talks when that article about kind of time to decompress, right? I sat at home, so I'm ready to like everything yeah. was shut. I'm. I'm like, like. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had. I think my decompression probably came. I. I uh, train tickets are a very short supply. Um, uh, at least when I was booking. And so I was forced to, to take an eight-hour train journey home. Oh, wow. So that was ample time, I think, to kind of... You it's know, pretty. It was, it was very nice going it's up pretty. Taiwan's East Coast, but very, very slowly. <laughs> I mean, in that time, you know, you can literally fly from, as my friend put it, from, from like Boston to Berlin. Yeah. It's like, but in, it's instead I was traveling it. about, you know, 400 miles or something. <sighs> well, uh, this psychiatrist says to, to avoid any of this happening, you need to plan your schedules for before and after the holiday and maintain your regular tasks and maybe spend, you know, a half day preparing mentally. Right, yeah. Uh, before you go back to work. Mm. Uh, obviously, don't skip any doses of your medication. That goes uh, without saying. I think, I <laughs> probably that's, shouldn't that's do that anyway. Advice. People should engage in any leisure activity in just moderation. And then there are six techniques that can help us get back into the swing of things. Talk about your feelings with a friends or a family. Mm. Uh, plan your next vacation. 
Right. Or start uh, recalling happy memories. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's, I've heard that that's uh, at least, yeah, that like often people start planning like the ticket sales for kind of flights. I mean, obviously in a normal year, not this year, but um, like for kind of summer holidays is straight after Christmas. Right. In, the, in, right. in kind of in the West. Um, and I always, after, uh, usually I go home for Christmas and I always take a big plunge afterwards. Really? So yeah. I, I often do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah, the next yeah. time we're, what's the next? What's yeah, next? Well, what, what can we look Move forward on. to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or recall happy memories from before. Or uh, also you need to get enough sleep, avoid eating or drinking too much, which is very hard to do over the holiday. Yeah. And of course, regularly engage in moderate exercise. If all of that fails, try seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah. That's, that He would say that. Basically, He's a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my. Well, so that's some of the techniques we have suggested to us from Dr. Zhang Junhong anyway. Uh, give him a go. Yeah. All right. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks so much to everyone who joined us on Facebook Live and left us a comment. Uh, if you're on the radio, don't go anywhere yet because don't turn your dial. We've got hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight coming up next. For Here in Taiwan, though, I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Stash Butler. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. And before we get started today, you guys, I just want to say Happy Lunar New Year. Now, of course, you're probably listening to this at a time where we're well into the Year of the Ox. But still, if I haven't said it to you yet, well, consider this an official Happy New Year, you guys. This year is the Year of the Ox. And contrary to what you might think, it's going to be a rough year for anyone who's been born in the Year of the Ox. And the reason for that is, is because now that people born in the year of the ox are another year older and they're taking another trip around the zodiac circle, well, they're offending the god of age. I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me either. But that also got me thinking, well, it's going to be a bad year for oxes, but what's it going to be like for people who were born in the years of the other zodiac animals? So I did a little bit of research online, and this episode will be dedicated to my findings. Not only that, but this week I'm also going to share with you my very first fan submission. A fan in Australia submitted something to me they thought I would like, and I ended up loving it so much that I included it in this week's hashtag. Anyway, guys, as always, don't go away because it's all coming up next in Hashtag Taiwan. Happy Lunar New Year, everyone. This year is the Year of the Ox. People born in the Year of the Ox are strong, reliable, fair and conscientious, inspiring confidence in others. They are also calm, patient, methodical, and can be trusted. Although they say little, they can be very opinionated. They believe strongly in themselves, but are also stubborn and hate to fail or be challenged. Although they do not lose their temper easily, their anger can become explosive and impulsive. They are serious, quiet, and not naturally sociable, which can make them dull. Ox people have a great deal of common sense. You might be asking, just how accurate is this? Well, my brother is born in the year of the ox, and I can say from experience that, yeah, that stuff is pretty true. People who aren't familiar with the lunar calendar zodiac might be thinking that if you're born in the year of the ox, then you're going to have a poster year. In reality, though, if it's your year, you're going to have bad luck. 
That's because, since it's your turn for another trip around the Zodiac Circle, you're going to offend the god of age, Tai Sui. Well, that's fair, just punishing people for something they have no control over. There are 11 other animals on the Lunar New Year Zodiac, and you might be thinking, how will people with those Zodiacs fare this year? Well, the TV channel CTI published a graphic outlining how the other animals will do in the Year of the Ox. Let's break it down. People in the Year of the Rat and the Horse will have good luck. I'm a horse. Let's go, baby! Woo! People born in the Year of the Ox and the Goat will offend Tai Sui and have a bad year. Why are people born in the Year of the Goat also offending Tai Sui? I don't know, maybe because the God of Age has terrible eyesight and he can't tell the difference between two four-legged mammals with horns? I have a feeling that this episode of Hashtag Taiwan is going to offend the God of Age and I just made things worse for all the horses out there. And if that's the case, then I have one thing to say to Tai Sui. Nay, good sir. Nay. Back to the graphic. Tigers need to be mindful of their health. Rabbits need to be careful overall. Dragons need to be weary when making investments. Snakes need to be careful of getting framed. Horses may have disagreements in their relationships. That's not good. Wait, why are horses on this list twice? Monkeys need to be careful of being misunderstood. Roosters may experience conflicts due to money problems. Dogs need to be careful in their dating lives. And pigs may see their friends receive more funeral notices. This doesn't sound like a good year for anyone. The only people having a good time are those born in the year of the rat and the year of the horse. And even then, horses aren't even coming out on top by a lot. This week, I'm going to end with a very special fan submission. Taiwan Insider viewer Jason Stevens saw how worked up I got last week when Natalie quizzed us on intrusive questions relatives ask over the Lunar New Year. He sent me a message saying, I just watched the show on questions you get asked at New Year. I think I found the correct sweater to wear. The hoodie says, Happy New Year. You're free to ask me questions. If you ask me about relationships, that will cost you 1200 new Taiwan dollars. Education questions are $300. Career questions are $800. Year-end bonus questions are $2,000. And questions about having children will cost $3,600. This is genius. This year, I'm going to let people ask me all sorts of questions and take the final bill out of the red envelope I was going to give them. Happy Moo Year, everyone. Don't let the God of Age get you down. And that just about does it for this week's edition of Hashtag Taiwan. Anyway, guys, we don't have a lot of time left, so instead of giving you the usual spiel, I just want to wish you, again, Happy Lunar New Year. I hope everyone thrives in the Year of the Ox. Take our premonitions in this episode with a grain of salt. Make of your year whatever you can. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Lunar New Year is a time of family, food and fun, but for me, the lead-up to the celebrations have got me in a bit of a panic. After being invited down to Pingdong by my friend Ryan to spend Lunar New Year with his family, I knew that I needed to buy some kind of gift. However, this is my first Lunar New Year in Taiwan with a Taiwanese family, so I had no idea what to buy. Luckily, Andrew suggested coming to Dihuajie to look for the perfect gift. Dihuajie is one of Taipei's oldest streets and is famous amongst shoppers of traditional bits and bobs, especially around Lunar New Year. Incense, herbs, teas and fabrics are in abundance here and I'm hoping to find the perfect gift for my surrogate family this spring festival. Dihuajie actually gets its name from the Chinese city of Arumqi in Xinjiang, northwestern China. 
The city was formerly known as Dihua, and today Urumqi is a city famous for its bazaars and lively markets. Although the market connection may just be a coincidence, as the truth behind Taipei's road naming system is actually much simpler. Back in the 1940s, a map of China was simply laid over a map of Taipei City, and the roads were named after the Chinese cities that they matched up with. This year, however, Dihuajie seems notably less lively, as a recent cluster infection of COVID-19 cases has the government and locals alike on high alert. I decided to invite Ryan along with me on my shopping trip to lend a hand. Okay, so we have so many different varieties of tea here: green tea and oolong and jasmine and chrysanthemum tea. Is tea a good gift for Lunar New Year? My family likes snacks more than tea. We'll get snacks for your family, but I'm thinking maybe I'll buy some of this tea for myself. We've got lots of interesting-looking things here. Some things that I'm not entirely sure what they are. We have some sea cucumbers, I think, for twelve thousand eight hundred dollars a bag. That's a little bit out of our price range. Up here we have the birds' nests.、Uh, they're also pretty expensive. We're looking for something a little bit cheaper. So I think we're going to go for maybe some dried fruits and nuts, all mixed together in a big, healthy Lunar New Year bag. This one is like a sugar outside, and inside is a peanut. We have like tuna candy. The dry fish is tuna candy. Is it sweet? No, it's salty. Okay. So good. Like it's a crunchy inside. That's it. Well, we've had a very successful shopping trip today here in Dihuajie, buying some snacks for Ryan's family for Lunar New Year. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Jim Song had spent some time in the states and fell in love with beer. He said he can chuck down about six pints of beer in a day. He told me that's more than a six pack. Anyway, when he came back to Taiwan, he really misses the beer he had in the states. So, with his father's consent, he started Jim and Dad's Beer. They have a tourism recreational park in Ilan for people to visit and learn about beer. His dad's a chemical engineer, so it is very helpful to have a dad like that to help with running a beer factory. Today, we're going to hear from Jim about a beer competition he took part in before he started his beer company. Let's find out how he fared in the competition for craft beer, which literally means homemade beer. So wait, so you tried brewing yourself, yeah, and then you entered competitions. Yes, yes, they're home brewing competitions. Huh. Yeah, and I、okay. entered and I won first place. You、um, did. Um, back so this is back in 2013, I think, and and I decided, you know what, this is something that's worth pursuing, and I and I went for it. Wait a minute. Well, okay, your dad. You say your dad was chemical engineer. You you brew this beer yourself in your own home. Yes, I mean that's you don't have need to have a big space. You don't have to have special machine or anything. You kind of used I'll tell, a regular. I'll tell, yeah, yeah, tell me. I'll tell everybody how to do it. It's very easy to do. All you need is a pot, a pot、uh, like a like a cooking pot、um, that maybe like ten liters、um, and a some sort of a bag, some sort of like a mesh bag.、Uh-huh. So um, you know, um, you know, cloth maybe. Yes, and you can、um, you buy some malt,、okay. some malted barley. 
Um, and so you, malts. You can get that here in Taiwan. Well, you can buy malts online or、oh. you know anywhere.、Um, so 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 you got those imported, yeah, imported yeah. ones. Okay. And then you you、um, you kind of crush it a bit, crush the malt a bit,、uh, and you put that in in that cloth bag. Uh-huh. And you dip it in hot water、uh-huh. inside the 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 the, the pot. pot. Yeah, at around sixty to seventy degrees Celsius.、Oh. So you got to cook the. You got it. It's got to be on a stove. You need a stove too. Yes. And then that do that for an hour, and you can pull the bag out with all the the malt, malt? and you got basically you got a sugar water, a sugary、uh, water that we call wort. Okay.、Um, the sugar water, and then、um, you boil it. You boil the sugar water, add a little hops to it, and then you need to cool it. So I cool in my bathtub. I just put ice in my bathtub and I just cover the pot, put it in the bathtub, cools down, and then、um, you pour that into some sort of a glass jar. You can use a plastic one too, but plastic is harder to clean. Glass is easier to clean.、Mm-hmm. Uh, put it in a glass jar、uh-huh. and you add yeast to it. Cover it.、Uh, make sure you leave a hole.、Uh, leave a, a hole so. Gas can come out. Yes. And then you ferment it for a month, and、uh-huh. you can bottle it, keg it, whatever. That's beer. Well, okay. So you you just taught anybody who's listening, yeah. You know, to make beer at home. Why would yours taste different from mine or person C, and and you win the grand prize in a competition? So,、uh, like I said,、uh, beer brewing is a lot like cooking.、Uh, we could be cooking the same recipe, and、uh, somebody would do it better. Just. Doing better. I mean, but you didn't do like add something, some secret ingredient in there that you didn't tell. Well, it's a, you know, you could you could adjust the recipe. You could you can you know, it's like cooking. Somebody has a secret ingredient. Maybe they add a little cinnamon,、mm-hmm. or you know,、um, they use more of this, less of that.、Uh, you, they cook at a different temperature, a little higher, a little lower.、Uh, it will all taste different. <sighs> Just like cooking. Just like cooking, and、uh, you know, and I always say, I always say this.、Um, even the same recipe, if you give it to two cooks, they would make two different dishes because、uh, yeah, because it, people just have different、uh, cooking habits. People have different brewing habits. Did you enter that competition knowing that you were going to win? Well, I entered that competition hoping that I would win. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you so you've actually tried brewing several times before that. Before the time that you were going to brew for yes, competition, yes, yes, yes. So you've actually、yeah. tried out different ways, and you figured that okay, I'm going to make it this way because I know this is going to taste the best, and most people are going to like it. Yeah, and I felt I felt like I had a good shot. I felt like I was I knew what I was doing. I designed the recipe. I, I, I you know. But what what was the competition looking for? What are the what were the judges looking for? Usually, it's、um, first of all, it has to be without flaw. So sometimes when you make a a beer, it could be if you Do it wrong, it could taste too too, too alcoholic,、uh-huh. you know, too sharp. It could、uh, taste astringent, which people don't want.、Uh-huh. Uh, it could be sour, which is bad, really bad,、um, yeah. unless it's intentional. But usually, sour is bad because、uh. um, it's spoiled.、Um, oh, so okay. You, there's a lot of faults you can find, and then it's just um, um, whether this beer is.、Um, You know, according to style. So maybe this is a a dark beer, and you pour it out, and it's yellow, and it's、uh-huh. like that's not a dark that, beer. <laughs> so kind of like that. Yeah, no people people make mistakes. People not that extreme, but you know. How do you how do you come up with dark beer? Um. So basically, you would add um when you use malts, you would mix a little bit of、um, roasted malt in there. Kind of、oh. like kind of like roasting coffee. You know, you, you cook、oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's But you can buy it pre-roasted,、oh, and then、okay. you add maybe ten percent of that into your 
recipe and oh, that's what you get makes dark, dark beer. beer. Yeah. Oh, okay. For the competition, will you make it right there and then? No, no. You have to ferment it for a month usually. So you would you would make it at home and you could bring it to the competition. Oh, I yeah. see. What do you like about Taiwan that's helping your beer business? I mean, I'm sure you, there are some local ingredients that you're using into your beer, and you're proud of yeah. that. Yeah, like I say, kumquat, passion fruit, tea. Oh, right, these right, are right. these are the stuff we use um, in some of the um, beers that we make. So those are the flavored ones, right? I yeah, mean, those are the flavored if you ones. Want, yeah, you want, I mean, it's not, I mean, you would introduce that beer as a kumquat flavored beer. Yes. Or how many different kinds of beer do you sell? Uh, so we have three beers that are on uh, constantly, and we have, you know, seasonal the, brews. The, the, the average kind of beer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing yeah. extra added. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, no. We have huh? oh, the IPA that I mentioned. We have oh. another uh, lighter version, a pale ale, which we call the Summer Mosaic. It's a great beer. And uh, uh, the third one that we have constantly is the tea beer. Because a lot <gasps> of Taiwanese people beer. love tea. Yeah. And uh, if you make a tea beer, people love it. Tea beer. I yeah. think I've yet to try that. What that what that tastes like. So basically, we, we when we ferment the beer, we add um, black tea leaves. Uh-huh. To it with yeah. uh, f- ferment together, so uh, you get a bit of that tea flavor. And and you you don't grow the tea yourself though. You get it from um, some yeah, uh, but we, tea we we yeah from a tea plantation c- plantation in Elon. So you try different tea before you decide on the one you want to use for your beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We picked so out you, this one. So you have to know about tea as well. Do you? You feel? Uh, I'm not a big tea <laughs> drinker, but I I know I know, know about beers, so I, I feel like you I just go with the taste, right? You yeah, yeah. And we work we with work with the plantation. Uh, we work with the growers, and we make sure they um they're participated in the process, so they can give us an idea of what um mm. you know what everything is like and what the oh. flavor is like. So that works that that works in our flavor uh, in favor. That is so cool. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So what's your favorite flavor? Uh, what's my favorite? Yeah. My favorite switches a lot because I've been oh. doing this for way too way too long. So I've been doing this for seven years. So my favorite beer when I started out is an IPA, a really strong IPA. But now, uh, you know, a, a, a nice light Dark beer, any kind of dark beer is good. Um, I have a taste for barrel aged beers. That's just when you that's when you make a beer that is very high percent in alcohol, maybe like 13, 14%, percent, oh. and you put it into a a spirit barrel, like a bourbon barrel or a mm-hmm. whiskey barrel for a couple months, and you get it out, and then that's a very strong. It's a good beer for winter because it's high in alcohol and it's. What's it like working with your dad? That's a great question. Um, I think. For a lot of people, they 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 um they think working with their father is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. I actually had a great I have a great experience working with him. Um, oh really? So you actually start off with a very you already have a very good relationship with your dad. That's my conclusion. Yeah, it's probably it. It's <laughs> probably it. And so and, he must uh, have really missed you when you were. Wait, were you together in the states? No, no, he yeah, was in Taiwan. You, right? Okay. Um, my dad's always been very uh, open-minded and and open to trying new things. Um, he used to be a whiskey drinker. Now he's an exclusive Jim and Dad's beer drinker. <laughs> um, so uh, which is so different from whiskey. Oh uh, no, the bourbon barrel aged beers. You would be surprised. They taste. Uh, they have that whiskey uh, flavor without the whiskey alcohol. So. Um, oh wow! So this it's is amazing. Yeah, and it's it's great for uh great for. Uh, a day like this, it's kind of cold, you know, uh, coldish. Yes. Um, 
And uh, yeah, working with him is great. Uh, he helped me a lot because he's an engineer. I'm not. So when you actually build a factory, you need somebody oh, who knows how to do yeah, engineering. Build a factory. Wow. And it's a beautiful factory. You show yes. me pictures of it. It's over in Yilan, which yes. is like uh, less than an hour drive away from here. Yeah. And actually, you know, people can visit this uh, yes. factory it's, um, and get a tour, right? Um, so. Yeah, we had to book ahead for the tour, but um, um, yeah. Yeah, that is so neat. So, I mean, you guys built the factory from scratch. Yes. So now your dad, what what does he do? He kind of maintains the factory? What does he do? What's his, his role? So my dad, my dad still owns his own factory. His own factory for what? Silicone and epoxy, something like that. I don't really <laughs> I know don't. that much about it. <laughs> okay. You just care yeah. about your beer factory. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He still runs that place. So. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. yeah, that's oh. his job. Oh, My job is okay. to run the beer fact, the beer place. Right, right. So, what do you want to go from here? I mean, what do you want to do with Jim and Dad's? What's what do you foresee? Right. In, so, you know, five years or ten years from now. Oh, five, ten years. I have no idea. I, I huh? have no idea what I'm going to do in five, ten years. It's a long time, and I feel like you know, last year has been a big surprise for everybody um, in terms of you know planning ahead because um, I think it disrupted a lot of people's plans. Sure. And, it taught me a lesson to not plan that far ahead and just oh. go with um, go with what's what you have planned for this year. So this year, because everybody's still staying in Taiwan, yeah. we're planning um, three markets in April, May, June at our brewery with you know twenty stalls and music, live music and stuff. Outdoors, and, right? Yeah, outdoors. Yeah. And in July, we will have a music festival at the brewery. Um, Where's so, that happening? I mean, at the factory. At the factory. So the brewery. Elan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, hu- we have a huge space. We've, you know, yeah. and we figured it, this year would be a good year to start doing things like that. Oh yeah. wow! So that's that's the plan. Uh huh. At least for the year. And I don't know what's going to happen uh, with <laughs> COVID this year, but hopefully Taiwan's gonna, still going to be fine like last year, and hopefully we can be able to host these places. Yeah. Uh, these events. True. 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 Wow, that is really amazing. So. Any idea of like getting your brand abroad? See, this is I. Uh, okay, if you ask me, if you ask me that uh, uh, in 2019, I'd be like, I really want to expand in it in Hong Kong and in China <laughs> and into Japan and all those places. Now, if you ask me, like, I don't know when are we gonna be able to travel abroad I any, know, again? That's true. <laughs> so it's like, but you don't have to physically be there. Well, we've just but then, shipped. But a, then, yeah, what? we just shipped a, 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 a some beer to Hong Kong. Uh, yeah. late uh, uh, October last year. Yeah. So we we worked. It got with, there safe. Yeah, we worked with a um, Bafangringji. If you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's this um dumpling sort of dumpling place. Pa- it's called no, it's, it's a chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We worked with, and they they have a. Taiwanese, they have a Taiwanese bento uh, chain in Hong Kong. Oh, that's called the same Bai, name. And oh, it's I called Bai Fang. Oh, okay. And uh, we basically brewed uh, uh, two batches of beer for them. One, one uh, is a tea beer, uh, the black tea beer, and one is a passion fruit beer. Oh. And it's sold in all their locations there. Oh, yeah. okay. So why they asked you for your beer? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And we we thought you know because it's a Taiwanese bento. Uh, right, uh, sta- so a they, restaurant place in Hong Kong. Yeah. So they decided to ask uh, somebody in Taiwan to brew it um, uh-huh. with Taiwanese ingredients. And we have tea. We we use tea. We use passion fruit. They're all grown in Taiwan. So okay. it's a great idea. All right. So any other marketing plans this year? All right. So you're talking a year at a time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, marketing plans. I think uh, the events are a big thing. Um, I'm hoping uh, we have a 
bar in Taipei in Dadaocheng. Mm. Um, it's called Jim and Dad's uh, Tap Room, I think. But it's um, it's a small place, um, but it sells all our beers. And, um, you know, it's a good place to hang out at night. Well, it's really been a lot of fun talking to you, Jim. And um, good luck with everything. And this Jim and Dad's, so at least for this year, the model goes for everyone now is take one year at a time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we'll see how far it goes. It changes everything. But beer would always be there, regardless of COVID or not. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not you're going abroad or staying indoors, <laughs> you have to drink. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jim. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.